0: Cyberbit is offering Cyberwire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com/cyberwire. Google removes from the Play Store an app nominally designed to track COVID-19 infections. An EU power distribution consortium says its business systems were hacked. An assessment of CableGate has been declassified. Ex-CIA employee Schultz trial for disclosing classified information ends in a hung jury. The alleged proprietor of a criminal market is arrested. Crooks hack rival crooks. More U.S. primaries are held today. And a case of identity theft in North Carolina. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, March 10th, 2020. Google has removed an app, AC19, from the Play Store. Developed on behalf of the Iranian government and deployed in Tehran, AC19 is described as an app that tracks COVID-19 coronavirus infections. Four things made Google skittish about AC19. First, it collects user geolocation data. Second, it was developed by Smart Land Strategy. Third, its description appeared to claim that it could test people for COVID-19, which, of course, it's impossible for a simple Android app to do. And fourth, it has to do with the coronavirus, and there's been so much misinformation and disinformation disseminated on that topic that Google is wary of anything purporting to have to do with COVID-19. Smart Land Strategy has indeed been involved in creating other apps for the Iranian government, notably the Telegram clones Gold Telegram and Hotgram. Both of those were ejected from the Play Store last spring, on the grounds that they were suspected of secretly collecting user information, apparently on behalf of Iranian intelligence and security services. But AC-19 may be innocent, at least in general, ZDNet cites an ESET researcher to the effect that he found no signs of malicious activity on the app's part. It requests user location data in the same overt way many other innocent Android apps do, and in any case, the location of an infected person is a reasonable bit of public health data. Some Iranian dissidents who asked to remain anonymous for their own safety did tell ZDNet that they thought Tehran was playing a long game here, Get people to download a tracking app during a period of crisis that the users would be inclined to leave in place even after the crisis has passed. In the short run, however, it's not clear that AC-19 is anything other than what it claims to be. The app is still available in third-party stores, but it won't test anyone for COVID-19 or anything else. The European Network of Transmission System Operators for Electricity, that's enso which coordinates European electrical power markets, disclosed that it suffered a successful cyber intrusion into its business systems. Cyberscoop says power generation and distribution are unaffected by the incident. NSOE's office network isn't connected to any operational or control system. And so, barring a successful pivot into an ENSOE member's control network, this should remain a business system compromise. The National Security Archive has released U.S. Cyber Command's declassified assessment of the damage done by the 2010 WikiLeaks publication of sensitive State Department cables. The National Security Archive summarizes the report as suggesting that illegal release of classified State Department cables in 2010 led to a period in which the U.S. government was hindered in its ability to track the activities of at least one of the most sophisticated APTs operating on the geopolitical stage. Unquote. Thus the assessment by the fusion group assigned to investigate is that Cablegate, as it was called at the time, tipped off an adversary on how well the U.S. was able to monitor one of its cyber-operational groups. The identity of that nation-state is redacted in the declassified material, but it's generally believed to have been China. The trial of former CIA employee Joshua Schult on charges connected to WikiLeaks Vault 7 Ended in New York yesterday with convictions on the minor counts of perjury and contempt, but with a hung jury on the eight far more serious charges of improperly disclosing classified information. The jurors could not agree that the government met its burden of proof, and presiding Judge Paul Crotty declared a mistrial. The Washington Post says the government will, in all likelihood, seek a retrial. A conference scheduled for March 26th is expected to outline the next steps. U.S. authorities have arrested Kirill Viktorich Firsov in charges related to his alleged operation of the Deer.io black market, ZDNet reports. The FBI picked up Mr. Firsov at New York's Kennedy Airport this past Saturday. He's charged with two counts relating to aiding and abetting fraud through the site, which has been in operation since 2013. The indictment affords an interesting look into the criminal economy. Deer.io sells access to storefronts on its platform, and those storefronts are generally used to offer the sort of wares criminal hackers sell, compromised or stolen credentials, personally identifiable material used for identity theft, hacking services, and so on. On March 4th, the FBI made a buy of about 1,100 gamer accounts from one of Deer.io's storefronts, confirmed their illegal provenance, and so obtained their warrant. The Bureau says it's found no legitimate businesses operating in Deer.io. The platform is hosted in Russia, which makes one wonder why Mr. Fiersoff was so incautious as to travel through JFK. A Deer.io admin, believed to be Mr. Fiersoff, explained the business to ZDNet back in 2016. Quote, Deer.io works according to the laws of the Russian Federation. Our clients can create shops that do not violate the laws of the Russian Federation. We block shops that sell drugs or stolen bank accounts. We will also block any shop if requested by Roskomnadzor or the competent authorities of the Russian Federation. Elsewhere in the underworld, cyber-reason researchers have observed criminals hacking criminals, infecting rivals' hacking tools with NJ Rat, leading many writing about the topic to return to the gods of the copybook headings and so remark that there's no honor among thieves. Threat intelligence firm Recorded Future recently published their list of top vulnerabilities they tracked in 2019. Kathleen Kuzma is a sales engineer at Recorded Future, and she joins us with their findings.
1: This report was first created five years ago, so this is the fifth annual version of the annual Top Exploited Vulnerability Report. And it was first created because there is the gap between which vulnerabilities are listed as critical versus which ones are actually actively being exploited on the dark web and on underground forums. And based on Recorded Feature's collection in those areas, Recorded Feature thought that we can shed some light and help security practitioners know exactly which vulnerabilities they should patch based on weaponization.
0: Well, take us through some of the key findings here. What were some of the insights that you uh, were able to bring to the table?
1: Some of the key findings of this year's report is that for a third straight year, Microsoft was the technology most impacted by these vulnerabilities. So eight of the top 10 exploited vulnerabilities were impacting Microsoft products, similar to 2018's report. And there are a few different reasons why Microsoft itself might be a a bigger target. One of those is because of how prolific Microsoft products still are throughout a variety of enterprise and government employers, whether that's federal, state, or local governments. So Microsoft still continues to be a large target for these cyber criminals.
0: Were there any particular uh, surprises that came out of this year's version of the report? Anything that uh, bubbled up that you didn't expect?
1: One of the biggest surprises of this year's report compared to other years is that there was a large number of vulnerabilities that were repeated from the prior year, This goes hand in hand with then there only being one vulnerability from the 2019 calendar year that was exploited enough to be included in the top 10 and this was surprising because in past years we've typically had at least three or four vulnerabilities from that particular calendar year included and i believe or recorded feature believes one of the main reasons why there were so many repeated vulnerabilities is because of the number of new exploit kits continues to dwindle. So because of the number of exploit kits continuing to decrease, there are less reasons to include new vulnerabilities in those exploit kits. And this has helped contribute at least why Recorded Future thinks that there are not as many 2019 vulnerabilities included in that top exploited category.
0: Hmm. What are your recommendations uh, based on the information you gathered here? What uh, what are you suggesting people do to help protect themselves?
1: One of the main things that people and companies can do to protect themselves from these vulnerabilities is to enable automated patching whenever possible. There are many researchers across Microsoft and Adobe as well who are working on what are those vulnerabilities that are new and helping them with the patching cycle. So enabling automated patching whenever possible. But then for those vulnerabilities that say can't be automatically patched, or there's a reason they can't be, maybe because of the technology itself that the automated patch would be impacting, that's when using threat intelligence to learn of these vulnerabilities that are left, which ones are the most weaponized, these are the ones that we should impact and are the ones that we should patch, That's where threat intelligence can come in and help prioritize those critical vulnerabilities that patching teams cannot keep up with.
0: That's Kathleen Kuzma from Recorded Future. Another test of U.S. election security comes today as five states, Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, and Washington, hold primaries, and one, North Dakota, holds a firehouse caucus. NBC has a summary as well as an explanation of what a firehouse caucus is, It's more like a primary than the sort of caucus recently held with dismal effect in Iowa. People go to a polling place, like maybe the local firehouse, to vote, but the voting is run by the political party and not by state and local election officials. Finally, to return to crime, a poor guy in North Carolina had his identity stolen by an unknown creep who used it to create a PayPal account and use it to subscribe to a database of leaked personal information, which the unknown creep then used to pretend to be country singer Kenny Chesney. The false Chesney then contacted various women in the hope of luring them into sending him, or perhaps her, racy photographs. What success the creep had is unclear from the Daily Beast's account, but the arbitrariness of the initial identity theft is unsettling. The victim was initially a person of interest to the FBI, which confiscated his devices for two weeks before returning them Upon realizing that they had the wrong guy The victim, an innocent math teacher Told the beast that It could have been anyone who got my information From an envelope Or anybody who ever had my name and address And that is just creepy And joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's from the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security, also my co host on the Caveat Podcast. Ben, great to have you back. Good to be back with you, Dave. We have been following with great interest the ongoing saga of Clearview AI, a company that uh, scraped, by by many counts, billions of images from the web. Uh, And this story just
2: keeps on getting more and more interesting. Uh, What's the latest here? So we found out, uh, and I'm reading this from a Daily Beast article, but it was really all over the internet, that this facial recognition company, Clearview AI, suffered a very significant data breach, Mm. which exposed its entire client list. And there were, like all data breaches, you know, maybe compare this to Ashley Madison, this is not necessarily a client list that you want to be a part of. It included many (laughs) local police departments, state police, Department of Homeland Security, uh, et cetera. You know, we don't really have any information as to who uh, perpetuated the attack. The company is saying that security is, of course, their top priority. Of course. Data patches are part of life. Servers weren't accessed. They patched the flaw, et cetera, et cetera. But it comes at a very perilous time for Clearview AI. Uh, They were the subject of this recent expose by the New York Times uh, which reported that they're scraping three billion images from the internet from most popular social media sites right and you know we talked about that article there were some follow-up articles there were interviews with uh, the founder of Clearview AI uh, and this just sort of adds on to this very difficult period and will certainly bring more bad publicity not just for suffering the breach but from uh, having the the list of clients come out
0: i've I've seen some some follow-up on this story. Uh, Saying that, uh, sort of, as you say, some of the the agencies who may be doing business with Clearview aren't very happy
2: that uh, their names are out there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's bad timing for them too because we're still sort of in the in the early stages of this controversy. I mean, most people didn't know that Clearview AI had existed. Even people who are uh, you know up to date on these types of issues didn't know that this company had existed until a couple of months ago. And you know, I think it's not only bad publicity, you know, for the private companies that contract with them, it could be bad for the bottom line. Right. Um, But, you know, for police departments that have wrought relationships with particular communities, you know, it it might be eye-opening to their constituents to see that they are contracting with a company that's been publicly revealed to be scraping images from the internet and using that technology to identify criminal suspects. So, you know, from these organizations that have been breached, from their perspective, I can see why this is so frustrating that, you know, they're going to have to, the same bad publicity that's coming the way of Clearview AI is going to come to them because they are uh, one of the clients.
0: So at a moment when Clearview already has a
2: spotlight shining bright on them, this uh, really doesn't help their case. (laughs) It certainly does not. And, uh, you know, this is exactly the development that Clearview didn't want to happen for a couple of reasons. One, You know, as a company that is scraping this information, you don't want anything to call into question your security and privacy practices Mm -hmm. as a company. And I think that's why a spokesman for the company was so quick to try to mitigate the public relations damage here. Um, I think they would be particularly sensitive to the fact that their data, whatever data it was breached, and here it's just a client list, um, that there are vulnerabilities because, as we know, you know, when you have three billion images, it's only a matter of time. If somebody is able to infiltrate your client list, they might be able to get a hold of some of those images. Yeah. So certainly it's something that should should deeply concern Clearview AI. Um, I sort of noticed just in the general social media community, there was like a schadenfreude, uh, you know, because mm, Clearview mm-hmm. AI had exposed private images of so many people and now, you know, there's sort of been comeuppance now that right. some of their information right. has turnabout been stolen. turnabout is fair play, yeah. Um, which I, I can certainly understand that perspective. Yeah. All right,
0: well, as we said at the outset, uh, their saga continues and I suppose there's more to come. I'm sure we'll be
2: talking about uh, Clearview AI into perpetuity. <laughs> All right, Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Thank you.
0: Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire.